This theme, that writing and storytelling becomes a balm for pain, runs through Agnon's work. One need not be steeped in the working of Jewish Midrash to understand that a little boy's longing for his father might also be read on the national play of Israel's pining for its father in heaven. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 217, Born in Jerusalem. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. In 1966, it was announced that Shmuel Yosef Agnon would receive the Nobel Prize in Literature, making him the first Israeli in any field to receive the Nobel. As I described in an article and commentary, journalists excitedly assembled at Agnon's humble home in Jerusalem to mark the moment. And they asked him what excited him most about the prospect of receiving this prestigious prize from the hands of the Swedish king. Agnon's response was unexpected. He is reported by the media to have said, quote, The Talmud prescribes a special blessing to be said when one encounters a king. I've always wanted to say this blessing, end quote. As I further noted in my essay, this may seem an odd answer unless one understands how important the texts and liturgy of Jewish life were for this Orthodox Jewish literary genius. In his Nobel address, Agnon, true to his word, began by pronouncing this blessing along with several others. And then he spoke about what Torah writings meant to him. Who, Agnon asks, were my mentors in poetry and literature? He continued, quote, First and foremost, there are the sacred scriptures from which I learned how to combine letters. Then there are the Mishnah and the Talmud and the Midrashim and Rashi's commentary on the Torah. After these come the poskim, the later explicators of Talmudic law, and our sacred poets and the medieval sages led by our master by Moses, son of Maimon, known as Maimonides of blessed memory. End quote. Thus did a noble lord pay tribute to the impact that Torah and tradition had on his literary life. But the most famous passage in his speech would be about Jerusalem, giving us an exquisite phrase whose source, perhaps, can be found in the Psalms that we study today. The next several Psalms include among them tributes to Jerusalem, to the Temple, to Zion. And again, these are connected to the sons of Korach. Psalm 84 proclaims, How amiable are thy dwelling places, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found the house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the faith of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Here then, the psalm speaks of Zion, Jerusalem, the temple, as an object of longing toward which one looks, just as a bird is able to make its way home. This psalm, no doubt sung by Levites in the temple, strikes themes that were later echoed by a great literary Levite, Judah Halevi, who wrote so eloquently about his own longing for Zion. But it is perhaps another psalm that is important for our consideration of another Levite. Psalm 87 begins, Livne Korach Mizmor Shir, again, of the sons of Korach, a psalm, a song, and then it continues. His foundation is in the holy mountains, 
The Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of thee, O city of God, Selah. Now let us ponder the next verse, which is difficult to translate. One version reads, I will make mention of Rachav and Babylon to them that know me. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia. This man was born there. One way of understanding this verse, as Amos Chacham explains in his commentary on the Psalms, is that the Psalm here speaks of those born in many countries who nevertheless feel spiritually linked to Zion. Thus, in the next verse, the Psalm continues by asserting that in truth, all those spiritually linked to Zion can be said to have been born in Zion itself. Thus, the Psalm continues. And of Zion it shall be said, This and that man was born in her, and the highest himself shall establish her. The Lord shall count when he writeth of the people that this man was born there. Selah. The psalm thus expresses the possibility of those far away from Jerusalem to nevertheless feel as if they were born in Jerusalem. Again, the phrase in Hebrew, Ulatzion Yeomar, Ish Ve'ish Yuladba. Of Zion it shall be said, This and that man was born in her. Fascinatingly, it is just this theme that was struck by Agnon in his noble speech in the most famous paragraph and through his most famous phrase therein. Speaking to those assembled for the award dinner, Agnon said, quote, It is said in the Talmud, Tractate Sanhedrin 23a, In Jerusalem, the men of discrimination did not sit down to dine in company until they knew who their companions were to be. So I will now tell you who am I, whom you have agreed to have at your table. As a result of the historic catastrophe in which Titus of Rome destroyed Jerusalem and Israel was exiled from its land, I was born in one of the cities of the exile, but always I regarded myself as one who was born in Jerusalem. In a dream, in a vision of the night, I saw myself standing with my brother Levites in the holy temple, singing with them the songs of David, king of Israel, melodies such as no ear has heard since the day our city was destroyed and its people went into exile. I suspect that the angels in charge of the shrine of music, fearful lest I sing in wakefulness what I had sung in dream, made me forget by day what I had sung at night. For if my brethren, the sons of my people, were to hear, they would be unable to bear their grief over the happiness they have lost. To console me for having prevented me from singing with my mouth, they enable me to compose songs in writing. Agnon thus identified himself as a Levite, and speaking to the world as the first Israeli Nobel laureate, Speaking in 1966 when the Temple Mount and the Old City of Jerusalem were barred to him, let the world know that he was spiritually born in that Jerusalem. Rabbi Jeffrey Sachs, who has given us the anthology of Agnon from which I'm quoting these speeches, wrote the following insightful reflection in his own tribute to the writer. Quote, If taken at face value, and so little in Agnon should be taken at face value, he is declaring that his literary gift and artistic output are some form of divine compensation and source of consolation for the tragedies of destruction and exile. Destined to be a singer of the Temple Psalms, but prevented from his destiny by the vicissitudes of history, he has been divinely tasked to write in prose what was formerly sung in praise. In the Nobel speech included as an appendix to this volume, as well as in a variety of other places in his writing, both in the guise of autobiography as well as outright fiction, he described that his very first composition came to him almost prophetically as a statement of poetic longing and lamentation for his beloved father, traveling on business to the regional fair, absent from the happy home in Buchach, in which young Shmuel Yosef Chachkis, Agnon's birth name, was raised. 
This theme, that writing and storytelling becomes a balm for pain, runs through Agnon's work. One need not be steeped in the working of Jewish Midrash to understand that a little boy's longing for his father might also be read on the national plane of Israel's pining for its father in heaven. End quote. Thus, Agnon utilized the Jewish link to Jerusalem and his status as a Levite to describe the Jewish longing for the God who dwelled in Jerusalem. And while scriptural sources of inspiration have been suggested for this Nobel speech, I would point to our psalm, Psalm 87, as one of them, for it holds out the possibility of someone like Agnon, cut off from the locus of his longing, still feeling as if Jerusalem was his birthplace and the source of his soul. And if so, then studying this psalm is even more moving when we realize that in his speech, Agnon described himself as a descendant of Samuel, who, I would add, was for Jewish tradition himself a Levitic descendant of Korach. Agnon said, quote, I belong to the tribe of Levi. My forebears and I are of the minstrels that were in the temple, and there is a tradition of my father's family that we are of the lineage of the prophet Samuel, whose name I bear, end quote. Thus, Samuel Agnon descends from Samuel the prophet, a descendant of Korach, and at the Nobel ceremony, Agnon, as a Levite, gave new voice to the psalm we just studied, the psalm of the sons of Korach. Soon after winning the Nobel Prize, Agnon journeyed to America for the first time in his life. Speaking to a Jewish audience in New York City, in a speech that is included in the aforementioned anthology, Agnon described how wondrous stories of America seemed when he was growing up in Europe. He also spoke of his own reluctance to come to America given his lack of eloquence in English. Then Agnon said, quote, So I took myself and my bashfulness in hand and I came. It isn't easy for an old man to go traipsing about, especially an old man like me who has spent most of his life in Jerusalem. And although the Western Wall is still in captivity, and Mount Scopus is desolate, and the Mount of Olives, concerning which it is written, Zechariah 14, 4-5, and his feet shall stand on that day on the Mount of Olives, and the Lord my God shall come and all the holy men with you, is humiliated and desecrated, and the sacred remains of the holy of all generations and all countries who came to their eternal rest there are scattered for beasts to feed on, and their sacred tombstones are used as stones for building, and many other important places which we built are no longer in our hands. Yet how great and sublime is what God has left us for restoring a great populace. So I have gone out of our glorious Jerusalem and come to America, the biggest and mightiest of lands. And just as America is the biggest of all lands, so is the American Jewish community the biggest of all Jewish communities. There is no Jewish community anywhere in the world as big as the one in America. And America is supreme among all the states in the world in that America was the first to recognize the state of Israel and stood by us in the establishment of the state of Israel. And now I have come from the state of Israel to this country and this city of New York, the biggest city in the world. And here I stand among the notables of the land. May they live with God upon them. May God in his mercy return us soon to his city in Jerusalem. End quote. Soon after, Agnon's prayer was answered. And the noble laureate who longed for ancient Jerusalem, who growing up in Eastern Europe had believed himself born in Jerusalem, was able to return in 1967 to ancient Jerusalem. Today he is buried at the site of which he spoke, on the Mount of Olives, overlooking the Temple Mount, the mountain that figured in his dreams, where his ancestors, the Levites, once sung psalms, as they will again. We therefore conclude with the prayer that Agnon pronounced in the presence of the King of Sweden, a prayer that brought his Nobel speech to a close. Agnon said, quote, Before concluding, I would say a brief prayer. He who giveth wisdom unto the wise and salvation unto kings, May he increase your wisdom beyond measure and exalt your sovereign. In his days and in ours, may Judah be redeemed and Israel dwell in safety. May a redeemer come to Zion 
May the earth be filled with knowledge and eternal joy for all who dwell therein, and may they enjoy much peace. May all this be God's will. Amen. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.